Hey guys, welcome to the High and Inside Podcast. I am your host, Joel Walker. This is episode 115, and I have my foster dog hanging out next to me. His name is Carl, and that's my dad's name, so that's not awkward. He's four years old, and I'm trying to find a home for him. I posted a really interesting video on Twitter, at high underscore and underscore inside, where I told you, I said, look, you can get your pitch count up with this dog because he wants to play catch nonstop, never stops. I'm not joking. So if you're a young pitcher or a major league pitcher and you want to work on your uh, pitch count, dog's perfect for you. If you're uh, if you're needing someone to throw with, he will go get the ball and play with you for ever, forever. And, and, and we couldn't really change his name, not that we need to, because he's four. You know, sometimes we got our, our actual dog from the uh, from the place, and they had him for like a week and had a name for him. We're like, we can change his name. And thankfully, he's not dumb, and he knows his name now. But it's weird to call this dog Carl, because that's my dad's name. Right, Carl? No response. He's just laying here. He's chilling right now. I'm trying to get Mr. Paul Bird to take, to take Carl and uh, give him a home, because he... He kind of liked the video and, and uh, asked about him. Um, so, Mr. Paul Bird, I know you're not listening, but hey, love to give uh, Carl a good home. All right, let me go into this week's baseball fun fact. And this one is about the catcher, Mo Berg. And now, some of you guys are like, who? Because this guy, it was a long time ago. Uh, but there is a movie about him I'll mention in just a minute. But catcher Mo Berg played in the MLB from 1923 to 1939. And although he was an average player, he was extremely smart. Very smart. He was a graduate of Princeton University and Columbia Law School. Berg also spoke several languages. So this came in very handy when World War II came around. He wound up becoming a spy for the U.S. government. And he would play a pivotal role in helping the Allies battle against the Nazis' nuclear program. After the war, he was awarded the Medal of Freedom by President Truman. But Berg declined to just accept it for really unknown reasons. And it wasn't until after his death that his sister requested and accepted it. And she would give it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, if you want to catch that movie I was mentioning, Paul Rudd, one of my favorite actors, stars in the movie. It's called The Catcher Was a Spy. And uh, it's just um, the Mo Berg story. And it is on Amazon Prime, I believe. I just got the info. I'm going to watch the movie. Got it ready to go. And uh, once I get a chance, I'm going to watch that. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. So that's a pub if you guys need something to check out. Now, what's been going on this week? Baseball. Baseball is finally back. Hallelujah. So far, as I record, we're two games into the season as the Braves are 1-1. One and one. And, um, you know, unfortunately, losing that first game, tough. You're pitching with uh, DeGrom and Soroka, two of the best pitchers right now. But, honestly, DeGrom's the best pitcher to me, in my opinion, in the MLB. And he was pitching lights out. And then the bullpen came out and shut us out. Offense wasn't going for any uh, of the teams. And uh, unfortunately, the Braves came out on the losing end. The one thing I want to highlight from that game was Freddie Freeman's incredible play. He pay, he caught the ball and tagged first base, making a double play. And I was kind of curious why on MLB Network they had the top five plays of the first uh, first day of baseball. 
uh, well, not including the Yankees, Nationals, like not that first day, but I guess the second day. And uh, he wasn't even the top five five highlights with that play. And uh, Ender's actual catch made the highlights, but Freddie didn't. So before the season started, quite a few things kind of happened. And really just going to mention them real quick. Braves signed Matt Adams. And um, they got Shasin back, a pitcher who pitched for us what, a few years ago. Not really exciting. Nothing you're like, oh, goody, we're going to the World Series. We got, got him. Uh, but Matt Adams, I actually really do like that pickup. Great left-handed bat, power bat. He's already been playing in the games. He's already uh, made a difference uh, in the second game. And his bat, in my opinion, is a huge pickup. Obviously, both these guys are, are former Braves. Matt Adams, I don't have to, I mean, I'll remind you, but I, I, I kind of don't need to, was very impactful during his first time with the Braves. So impactful that... Freddie Freeman's like, okay, I'll play third so Adams can play first because he's a liability anywhere else he plays. Uh, but I, I really like the Matt Adams signing after losing out on Puig or not really losing out, but just the COVID got him. The old COVID got him, and, and they didn't sign him. So the guy they can plug in right now is Matt Adams. The other big thing that came out uh, before even the first game was that the Braves had to leave both of their catchers, Flowers and Darnard, uh, Travis Darnard, uh, back in Atlanta because they have symptoms of COVID but actually tested negative, so they wanted to play it safe. reason I'm saying this is because you got Jackson coming up to play and then you got Contreras. Jackson has played a little bit, and he's he, he came up last season – and the thing is, I don't, I'm not sure exactly just right at the moment how many at-bats he's had in the MLB. And he's started the first two games. He has no hits. And what was incredible is that Contreras comes up, first at-bat, gets a hit, and an RBI. And I hope it doesn't go downhill after that. I was pumped up. I'm sitting here going, okay, Contreras has to be your starter Sunday. And, and I keep looking for the... Uh, lineup to be posted as I'm recording it hasn't been posted later game Sunday with Newcomb pitching today uh, but I really hope Contreras is in there and um, I'm actually pretty excited this got me even more pumped up about him and there's nothing new that I've seen lately about the two catchers uh, that are sick right now and anything any updates but we'll see how that goes a second game Man, I'm sitting there going, I'm watching this game. Uh, uh, Duvall hits the home run. He uh, inadvertently kills Jeff McNeil's dog cardboard out there in right field. So, sorry to you, Jeff McNeil, who uh, decided to forget that there's a bunch of fans, no fans in the stadium, just his cardboard dog, and yell out the F word a couple times when he didn't do so well at the plate. Um, hey, we all heard you. It's okay. It happens, I guess. Well, I don't know. I'm not an MLB player, so I don't get at work and then like I mess up a little bit and be like, F. That probably not look good for my customers. It's it's kind of funny that sports, it's totally cool to do that. Not a big deal. But if you did that at your actual job, how well would that go over? Probably not too well. I don't know. Not, not at least at my job. I can tell you that. But the second game gets tied up and... We get 
to the last pitch of the game. Azuna's up to bat. And, you know, you got all your naysayers already out there about the signing of Azuna. And boy, does he deliver. He comes through and hits the home run to tie up the game. And guess what? Second game, Braves and Mets are doing the new extra innings rule. And I wasn't sure how much I would like it, but I actually really do like this. And I'm used to it because with the Chattanooga Lookouts, my hometown minor league team, this is normal when you go to extra innings. These kind of things, they have different rules. So it's not like I've never seen it. And it does kind of get old where you're going into extra innings and it keeps going and going and going. Uh, but this this kind of speeds it up, especially with the season going on. They need to get people kind of off the field and not around each other quickly or as quickly as they can. But when you put the runner on second base instantly without any outs, I mean, that's a pretty big advantage to try to score some runs. And fortunately, it came out on the winning end and the positive end for the Braves, who were able to uh, really – succeed and like I said Contreras came through but they wind up getting five runs and then you get the Mets come up and of course they get the runner on second and uh, fortunately for us they didn't score enough runs and uh, Braves win the game five to three uh, the one thing I wanted to mention also another thing just off off uh, of that game was Max Fried pitched he really looked good for the four innings I think he was pitching no hit for four innings and then it just kind of you know, things kind of just went as they can when you're when you're playing a baseball game, MLB game. But he pitched five innings, struck out five, walked two, and gave up two earned runnings. And you have to give it up to the bullpen coming in, Tomlin, Minter especially. I know Minter has kind of stunk. And, um, you know, he's look, he looked really good. The other guy, I'm not going to lie, when – they said, okay, we're going to extra innings, tied game. Luke Jackson's come in. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm nervous now. But get give it up for Luke Jackson. Two innings pitched. He didn't strike any bat, which is kind of surprising for Luke Jackson, who's a big strikeout pitcher. Uh, of course, gave up four hits. Made you nervous at different times. But he gets the win. The Braves get the win. And I really enjoyed the uh, extra innings new rule. And I'm, I was really excited about the Braves winning because it would have been just devastating, in my opinion, to go down 0-2 already. You're like, come on now. we got to get a win. Got the game tonight. Like I said, Newcomb's pitching. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm going to mention now that I've already said everything I said that um, the lineup has been posted. And I am happy and I'm correct. Contreras is batting ninth. But he is in the game. Uh, Acuna is struggling right now, but you know, give it time. He he does strike out a lot. You guys may not real, realize that. Matt Adams in the in there again. Austin Riley back at third, who played left field uh, in the second game, and Ender's back in center field. Who's you know we might give Ender heck sometimes offensively, but the guy is a great defensive player. So I am just so excited that the season has officially started. We got things going. And uh, some something else that came out right before the season started was the postseason expansion. 
The postseason will expand to 16 teams, beginning with eight and um, on each side. And it's the best of three wildcard series preceding the division series. Okay, I could be wrong on this. I was trying to look at it. But what it looks like is there's obviously there's no one game wild card game that I, I really don't like that to begin to begin with, to be honest with you. It's hard to put 162 games into one game. It's just because, you know, that the other team could be a lot better, but they have one bad game and your season's over. I like the three game playoff. So what it looks like to me, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on uh, Twitter or Facebook or wherever, or text me if you know me, but it looks like the eight teams all are playing that three-game wild card, and so you got four games with eight teams matching up on AL, NL, and um, then they're seeded differently. I think the one seed's playing the eight seed, and then uh, it, it moves on to the five-game playoff, and then the division series, which is the seven-game uh, playoff and then of course the world series uh, but I, I i like this and the only thing i'd say it kind of doesn't give you an incentive to have to be first place in your division so everyone that's kind of panicking that oh god the braves aren't going to win the division you could still finish second or third or even fourth perhaps i, I believe could be a possibility depending on how bad other teams do in the division but you got eight teams making it. So you don't have to die on the hill of every game, you know, that if your team loses. That part I'm not crazy about where you're not, okay, well, we get a bye. Uh, you get the lower-seeded teams to go ahead and kind of uh, play it out and, and then go from there. Looks like all teams are playing. And like I said, if I'm wrong – let me know, but I I, I kind of went over it for a while, and um, we'll see. That that actually is going to start September 29th, and it's going to run through Friday, October 2nd, and I believe all three games are going to be played at one site. They're not going to move back and forth, and I guess whoever's the better record or the higher seed gets to play home field. Last thing I want to mention in the news and notes before I go to Brave Social Media Hot Takes if you're a Blue Jays fan, how do you feel? I've kind of kept up with them, but or I would say if you're a Blue Jays player, I feel like the Blue Jays were kind of getting screwed. And finally, they got a home field. And uh, no, it's not where Chip Carey said that they're playing at on the game yesterday. I, I think he forgot that uh, they switched it yet again, but he said Pittsburgh. Okay, so... Blue Jays, obviously from Toronto, can't play in Toronto, can't play in Canada with all the COVID stuff going on. Now they go right after that, and they supposedly are going to play in Pittsburgh. But guess what? That gets nixed too. And this is, um, what, one day before the opening game, the first game of the season? Thankfully for them, they're on the road. I believe they're in Tampa right now. But they finally decide, okay, you guys are going to play in Buffalo at, I believe it's called Salem Field. And what that is, what that stadium, if you want to know what it is, it's actually their AAA team's field. And I looked at some pictures. It's actually pretty nice. It looks like a really, really nice field. Of course, it's not a big stadium, but who cares? There's no fans. Their AAA team is called the Buffalo Bisons. 
and, and what I have to say, what is good about this is that there's a familiarity, familiarity, can I say that? Yeah. Uh, but there's a familiarity with the players on Toronto because most of them have just been in AAA recently. They just got out of AAA. I think uh, if I'm, I'm going to list the players, but Bobachet, Guerrera, uh, Biggio, Guerrero, uh, or Guerrero, um, most of these guys have played there. So at least they're familiar with the stadium, any kind of quirks, anything they need to know. But I mean, it just doesn't look good when you can't get a baseball team at home with everything going on and you wait this long. I'd kind of be upset if I was associated with the Blue Jays team. Um, but, hey, they finally got a home. They get to play in Buffalo. And I think the mayor of Buffalo was really pushed for this to happen. So it's cool that that happened. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of the highlights for what I got so far. There's so much that's going to be going on this week. The other thing I, I mentioned real quick is that Juan Soto for the Nationals was diagnosed with with uh, covid fortunately he's not sick from what i heard but that um you know it it sucks for the nationals i like soto i hope he gets better soon unfortunately the braves i don't believe are playing the nationals anytime soon so they can't take advantage of one of the best players being out not that that's the way i want them to take advantage of it but um you know that, that that's huge i mean could you imagine acuna going down with COVID, similar situations. That's pretty much what it's like. And some of you guys are probably, yeah, at least we wouldn't have the strikeouts. Well, shut your mouth. He's uh, one of the best players in the game, and they all strike out. There's, They're not all Tony Gwynn's here. Uh, let's go ahead and move to Brave Social Media Hot Takes. Okay, so baseball season is officially back, and social media has been hotter than ever with really bad hot takes. And I have some of those for you to listen to, and I'm going to respond. Once again, if you're a first-time listener, what this is, I go to a um, mainly just one Brace Facebook group page and take some of the hot takes that people put on there, and I read them out loud. To show you guys, if you missed them, how crazy comments can be. And I'm I'm seriously, I'm telling you guys right now, I am part of other groups on Facebook of other teams. And nothing gets more crazy than the Braves fan group on certain sites, certain groups. And uh, there are good groups out there. Uh, the Chop House is a great one I recommend to you. And um, we'll go ahead and uh, start reading some of these. And, uh, hey, you know, you can eye roll all you want. And here we go. Please don't get rid of the chop. It's iconic. It's tradition. It's history. I don't see any racism. If you think the word tomahawk is racist, then you are a snowflake and don't understand racism. Well, thank you very much, Jerry, for telling me that. Uh, this guy's putting the tomahawk and the chop all together in one. And, um, you know, if we got to get rid of the tomahawk, you just don't understand racism and you're a snowflake. So there you go. You got it. Uh, great take. Thank you very much for letting us understand what, uh, 
anybody that wants to get rid of a gimmick that's been around for a while, what we're all about. And, and look, at this point, I don't care anymore. I'm sick of I'm sick of talking about it. And if you watch the Braves game scrimmages like that, they didn't play the tomahawk top. Not there really is a reason. It's more for the crowd to get into it. But once the crowd goes back, we'll see what happens. Okay, so here's another one. Uh, this is in reference to uh, a little overdue, a little late on the post. But someone posted last year's article about the Cardinals pitcher that was uh, talking about the chant and the chop. And as you know, that that last game, they didn't put the Tomahawks out. So the, obviously the Braves lost because of that. But here we go. This person put an article out from a year ago. as It's breaking news apparently to them. In sports, you are supposed, and this is, okay, I'm reading this verbatim, just FYI. In sports, you are supposed to say and do offensive things so you opponent will get off their game and you can win. The cards made the Braves get off their game last with this stupid arguments. Chop on and or anything else our opponents dislike. It is just a game. If you're offended, don't come to be a part of the game. Ooh, boy, oh boy. So let me get this straight. It is totally okay when you're playing baseball to uh, say offensive things to the other team. Am I hearing this correctly? I'm reading this correctly, I should say. No, you freaking idiot. It's not okay to say offensive things. Not at one point do we say, okay, look, in real life, don't say these words. Don't be racist or be offensive. But if you're playing a baseball game, it's totally cool. Do it. Did you ever watch the movie 42 and see the Philadelphia manager and the way he was being offensive? You're saying that's okay, as long as it's in baseball. Okay, you're ignorant. That's all I can tell you about that. Is that offensive? There you go. Here's another one. How pathetic. They've been doing this for years now. They want all this crap gone because one guy died sad. What the crap are you talking about, dude? Were you drunk when you when you texted or posted that, I should say? You must have been drunk. What are we talking about, a guy dying? Uh, apparently, you're talking about the chop and the chant. Did someone die? Did I, did I miss someone dying that we're getting offended about? That we got to get rid of the, the, the chop and the chant? Or are you just uh, Looney Tunes and drunk? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, go to the next one. Fulty giving up three straight home runs in exhibition game. How hard is it to get quality pitchers? Apparently, it's really hard. It's not that easy. If it was that easy, every team would have great quality pitchers. And just because Fulty is struggling in a preseason game with it raining and uh, he can kind of play around with his pitches, it's not a real game, calm down. But apparently it's very easy to get quality pitchers because this guy is saying, how hard is it? Well, if it's if it's not hard, then how about you and I go trot for the Braves and we become starting rotation pitchers because it's pretty easy. If any of the Braves team, nil, I am done with the Braves. Get out of here. Goodbye. See ya. If we lost every game and still had the chop, I would still feel better about moving forward as a fan. You have got to be kidding me. So you rather lose every game, but we still got the chop. I'm telling you right now, I don't root for the Braves in baseball because of a gimmick. 
I root for the team because I love baseball, not some long-lasting gimmick that started in the 90s. I'm older than the gimmick. Get over yourself in the stupid freaking chop argument. I want to win every game, and you can get rid of the chop for every game. Next one. During the first game of the season, this is what was said. Okay, first game of the season. Ronald is desperately behind on the fastball. Kind of concerning. We need Ronald to be Ronald. Guys, first game. And yes, he wasn't looking too good at the plate on the second game. But it's just a matter of time. Not every player is going up there going four for four every game. You're looking at also, they're facing DeGrom in that first game. The best pitcher, in my opinion, in MLB. Who's throwing 100 and you're talking about your first game. You're trying to get your mechanics, everything back in order. Give it a break, man. Give the guys a little slack. Come a little slack, okay? Okay, so another game one comment. What's worrisome is stinker over managing. Why pull Soroka in the sixth inning? 69 pitches, 48 for strikes. Okay, stinker. Thank you. Wow. Real good one on the snicker name change. Why pull Soroka in the sixth inning? Okay, if you're not, apparently you're living under a rock, but if you're not paying attention, <laughs> let me explain this to you. To everyone who did wonder that, and it, you know, hey, it's a legit question um, that uh, Brian Stinker did uh, pull him. But remember, the so-called spring training was very short. You're trying to work your pitchers back up to a certain amount of innings pitched, uh, pitches thrown, and you can't just go out there and be like, okay, throw uh, 125 pitches in your first game back in the first game of the season, and uh, let's hope we don't kill your arm. Now, I'm not a big fan of the pitch count by any means, but you have to use common sense and think, okay, it makes sense. That yes, he's pitching a good game. DeGrom, it was the same thing. They did the same thing to them, and every other MLB team did the same thing. It's not the manager that's making some dumb decision. It's a smart decision because you have to keep your uh, guys going for the remainder of the season. Yes, it's a short season, but we can't just blow our arms out in one game. All right, last one. After game one, loss. Just another one of these. No need to watch this team this year. This team won't even make the playoffs. Well, thank you for your bold prediction. Uh, if if you and the person that uh, are tired of players that want to nil, or if they're if they get rid of the chop and you guys want to leave and be a uh, just a um, temporary fan, man, guys, get out of here. But. I would say you might just want to change your mentality and not live uh, as if it's the end of the world on every game. And granted, yeah, I know it's a 60-game season and uh, any loss is is going to be tough. But you're going to tell me you're not making the playoffs because they lost one game? Get out of here. Okay, here's the, that. You know, that's the Brave Social Media Hot Takes. And with more games hopefully coming and everything going well and everything, you'll, you'll still have your ne negativity and, and we'll just see what happens. So until next week. All right, I got a baseball story coming up in just a minute, but I wanted to mention a baseball one-hit wonder, and I thought maybe periodically I could do one of these. 
but I'm taking it all the way back to 1914 at the age of 22. Bill James, different Bill James than obviously the one now, was in his second season pitching for the Boston Braves. He would go 26-7 and with a 1.90 ERA, pitching in 332.1 innings. He would finish in third place for the MVP finish that season. He also went 2-0 in the World Series, beating the Philadelphia Athletics, winning the World Series. Now, the bad part. Obviously, you heard the one hit part. Now, let's go to the next part. James reported late to camp the following spring after a brief holdout induced the Braves to double his salary, but it soon became apparent that he was a mere shadow of the pitcher who had dominated the league the previous season. From the start of the season, James complained of chronic arm fatigue, and the press would describe the injury as dead arm, but all likelihood it was more that he had uh, suffered a torn rotator cuff. After undergoing numerous shoulder operations, James tried to return to the Braves in 1980, but the comeback was aborted before the start of the regular season. After serving in the 63rd Infantry during World War I, James pitched one game in relief for the Braves in 1919. He spent the next several years bouncing around the Pacific Coast League as a player and coach before concluding his career with Sacramento in 1925. His career was over at the age of 27, pitching in only 14 games after his dominating 1914 season. All right, here is this week's story time, and it's about Ron LaFleur. Ron began his MLB career at the age of 26 in 1974 with the Detroit Tigers. He would have some incredible seasons during his career. Before he became a baseball player, he spent a lot of time staying in trouble. In January of 1970, he was part of a crew that committed an armed robbery. His conviction led to a 5-15 to 15 year sentence for armed robbery. LaFleur entered Jackson State Prison on April 28, 1970. His first year in prison included long stays in solitary confinement as he resisted the change to a more regimented environment, rejected work assignments, and often challenged authority. The transition was particularly difficult for LaFleur. It was not until later into his incarceration that he began to understand the concept of time off for good behavior. It wasn't until he was in prison that he actually began playing organized baseball for the first time. He also became acquainted with Jimmy Corrala, another inmate who was serving a 4-20 to 20 year sentence for extortion. Believing LaFleur possessed professional baseball talent, Jimmy reached out to longtime friend Jimmy Butsikaris, co-owner of Detroit's popular Lindell Athletic Club, a bar frequented by Detroit sports celebrities. Butsikaris was a good friend of Tigers manager Billy Martin, and in fact was the best man at Martin's wedding. This connection would lead to Martin's visit to Jackson State Prison on May 23, 1973, and LaFleur's subsequent tryout with the Tigers during a weekend furlough in June. LaFleur was released from prison on July 2, 1973, and immediately signed a contract with the Tigers that paid him a $5,000 bonus and $500 per month for the remainder of the 1973 season. The 25-year-old 
though his age was then reported as 21, was assigned to the Clinton, which is Iowa, pilots of the Class A Midwest League. Under the tutelage of manager Jim Leland, LaFleur began his transition from prisoner to professional ball player. In Class A ball in 1974, he would bat 339 and swipe 42 bases in 93 games. On August 1, 1974, LaFleur joined the last place Tigers in Milwaukee and made his MLB debut against the Brewers. He didn't fare well in his first game, but would collect his first hit and two stolen bases in his second game. After a couple years of having decent numbers, he would come into his own. In 1976, he would bat 316 with 58 stolen bases. In 1977, he would prove even more batting 325 with 212 hits and 39 stolen bases. In 1980, he would play his one season with the Expos and still an incredible 97 bases. LaFleur signed a multi-year $9 million contract with the Chicago White Sox, but his stint with the Sox was plagued by erratic behavior, disputes with management, and, at the end of the 1982 season, an arrest for drug and gun possession. In two seasons with the Sox, he had played a combined 173 games and he hit just 267 with 64 stolen bases. Battling a drug problem, a poor attitude, and diminishing skills, LaFleur was released on April 2, 1983. Just two months shy of his 35th birthday, his nine-year major league career was over. LaFleur has faced numerous challenges following his playing career. He lost a 49-day old child to sudden infant death syndrome, faced felony charges for possession of a controlled substance, and was arrested twice for non-payment of child support, once during the ceremony celebrating the final game at Tiger Stadium in 1999. In the summer of 2011, he lost his right leg to a disease, the result of a lifetime of smoking. An incredible and sad story, a man who was gifted and talented, but faced constant trouble who shined for a brief time. All right, going to go ahead and wrap up the show. I really don't have any pubs this week. I'm just watching baseball. And so glad the MLB Network has brought back pretty much all their shows. So that's back on regular basis. I love watching MLB Network. Almost all their shows, except for maybe one, Mad Dog. Uh, I don't like. Uh, I, I don't like that one. But I watch all their shows. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Who watches Mad Dog? Who watches that guy and actually says, I enjoy this? Apparently someone does. Uh, real quick, I was uh, telling some people today about this awkward story of something that happened to me. I was a freshman in high school, and I rode the bus to high school, Mount Zion High School in Jonesboro, Georgia. And at the time, I had just crazy thick, wavy, curly hair. It was all over the place, man. I hated that it wasn't straight. I wanted straight hair so bad. So my mom had the great idea that she was going to use some kind of like perm looking thing, whatever, that's supposed to straighten my hair. And I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to have straight hair. And uh, needless to say, what happened was that my hair just straight up stunk like a perm, if you've ever smelled that. I get on the school bus that morning, and I am one of the mixture of kids on there and uh, 
oh, this girl gets on the school bus, and I know my hair is smelling just all kinds of perm. And, uh, man, this girl gets on the bus, and she straight up smells the hair. Doesn't know it's me, thank God. And she goes, it smells like straight up someone got a perm up in here. And I was like, oh, my God. She said it so loud for everybody because it stunk. My hair stunk, guys. And I, like, lowered myself. I was like, oh, my God. If she calls me out, the the white kid on the bus and um, just the goofy-looking guy, like, I'm going to be straight up mortified. I was already embarrassed. I was like, please get me off this bus. And um, we had we had a good little, like, little bus ride to go. But I just, that memory just popped up today. I was like, oh my God, why did I listen to my mom and think it would be a great idea to do a straighten perm on my hair as a freshman in high school? Guys, holy smokes. Now I don't have to really worry about that. Just shave the head, the head, the hair. I don't shave the head, the hair on the head. So I ain't got to do any kind of perms again. And I will never do that to my children. All right, big lesson learned, embarrassing. And no, thankfully, no one ever pointed out that it was me that had the uh, perm smell going on for the whole school bus, okay? Check out the show on Twitter and interact with me. Follow me. Tell your friends about the show. Twitter, I'm at high underscore and underscore inside. And uh, feel free to conversate. And uh, we'll go from there. But, man, I'm so, so happy baseball's back. I'm ready for the game tonight to go. Hopefully it's nothing crazy, and I regret this later. Also, check out BigHeadsMedia.com. Lots of great podcasts. Anything you want to listen to, they got it. Big platform, so check them out. And I was going to let you guys know, last week I closed out the show with my former band that I was in, Pacifico. If you like that song, uh, we recorded it. It's been about a year ago. We got back together, recorded a song, the us four original members. And uh, I've had some good feedback from it. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to close out with it again. This is me on the drums. Band is called Pacifico. There's plenty of stuff on Apple. You kind of have to dig for it. There's another, um, I believe it's a Spanish artist named Pacifico maybe, but... We're better. We're way better. And uh, make sure you check that out. Hopefully it'll be coming out soon for sale. But in the meantime, listen to the song here. Have a good week, guys. We tried to die
sin and every sin.